0: So continuing on, the grace of God gives strength and power. This is the armor of Christ. This is the help of the Holy Spirit. The Christian must bear fruit, but he cannot do it apart from the vine. But the vine cannot bear fruit through the branches without the consent of the branches. And those who consent bear fruit. And those who do not, do not bear fruit, and the Father cuts them off and burns them. So he's letting us know something that's going to happen eventually to everybody. Okay? So again, there's the divine side and the human side. When the scripture says, and the, one of the greatest gifts and callings was prophecy, and yet, and the prophets call. And yet, Paul said, the spirit of prophets is subject to prophets. They're not overwhelmed. They're not made to speak. They consider what they get, and they hear, but they can refuse to speak. And the only reason Balaam, he said, he was a Gentile prophet, but he became covetous and prosperous and greedy, and it cost him his soul. Uh Uh-huh. And after the angel met him with the sword, and it was Christ that met him, it was the divine angel, Then he was willing to go and, see, he wanted to go and curse Israel for the king, the Gentile king, so he'd get a lot of money and a lot of, but God says, you shall not do it, for they are a blessed people. Well, he tried to wiggle around it, so he went anyway, and that's why the angel was standing there with the sword, and the angel said to him, the jackass stopped, and he kept beating it because he was in a hurry to get his money. But when the, his eyes were open and when the donkey spoke, he saw the sword and he bowed down. Oh, I'll do whatever you want. Yeah, of course he would. He was afraid he was going to kill him. And the Lord said to him, Had she proceeded while you were beaten to her, I would have killed you and spared her. What an insult. <laughs> he was telling the prophet, I let this jackass decide whether you live or die. And from then on, what does Balaam say? He said, I'll go back, and then he said, no, you go, but you'll speak only what I give you. That was why he obeyed. He wasn't overwhelmed. He was in fear. He had already been warned. And of course, years later, he couldn't curse them from the mountaintop. He blessed them. That's what the Lord told him. But years later, he counseled Balak's people to, if you want to cause them to be in God's pleasure, send your women and men to mix with them and marry them, and then when they do that, they will not please God, and he'll just, see, his evil and when Joshua then went in, they, the scripture makes a point of telling you he was killed with a sword okay, so that was his wickedness, and many people today have that same wickedness covetousness they sell the word of God for covetousness So, we are to be saved by the Lord and to stay in the Lord. And the Father looks at us because Christ is in us and He favors us because of what He's done. And the Spirit of Christ works within us because of what Christ has done. Okay, we'll find out later who the Spirit is. And so, uh, not going to hell is a bonus. It is not the main purpose that God saved us. He saved us to have a people that want to live righteous and holy and be his children. That's the main purpose. Hell is a bonus. Not going to hell is a bonus. It's not going to be for the wicked, though. That's going to happen to all the wicked. So we are saved to bear the fruit of righteousness and holiness. And this is talking about practical. And Hebrews says, for without that kind of holiness, no man shall see the Lord. It means he'll not make it to heaven. So we may have the righteousness of Christ in us, but if it's not working out of us as spiritual work, and that's what holiness is, it's of no avail. And that's why Hebrews says the Lord chastens, and Christians that are slow to conform, or they keep rebelling in error, He starts to deal with them stricter. The Bible says if we judge ourselves, Paul said, we won't be judged of the Lord. And sometimes he takes strong matters into hand, sickness, affliction, different kinds, and not because we're in Christ, because we're sinning. And he said it's grievous and painful. But he said, but it leads to the fruit of righteousness, to those who've been exercised. So that rod, it has two purposes mainly. When God severely punishes, it drives a person to the Lord, causes them to stop the sin that he's displeased with, or it drives him out of the kingdom. And that's God's intention. He that is often reproved and stiffens his neck, it means he doesn't conform to correction, he will be cut off, and that without hope. He'll be cut off. So he starts this kind of chastening. He'd prefer that we judge ourselves and correct through confession and repentance and make it right whatever we done wrong. But then he goes to the next stage. And if that doesn't work, it leads to the person's being cut off from the vine. Okay? That's the persistent rebellion. Okay. So he wants holiness. See, people talk about their place, their righteousness in Christ. It means nothing if there's not holiness in this life so again he says what do you call me Lord if you don't obey me he expects that so people who think they have a license of sin and they're getting away with something they're not they're bastards spiritually they think they're a child of the God but they're not and they live like Job says and their way is smooth sometimes the wicked and nothing seems to bother them you know why? Because the Lord is not chastening them. He's given up on them, basically, and he can wait till Judgment Day. It's the ones that he corrects and judges that he's given hope to. And the excessive wicked, he'll judge them in his proper time. They don't always get it here, but they're going to get it in hell, and everything they've done, they're going to answer for. They're storing up wrath for the day of judgment. David said, the righteous... Are afflicted all day long. It means we are disciplined and corrected on certain things. And sometimes we find it grievous. But the purpose is holiness. There must be holiness. Righteous living outwardly. And that's why John said, if you know Christ is righteous, then you be righteous. And he says, and if you don't, you're a child of the devil. He doesn't mince theology with people when they were born again, and when they died, or if they're in Christ. He said, if you work righteousness, you're righteous. And if you don't, you're wicked. Makes it very plain, the outward fruit, not the inward. It has to be manifested. Okay? So in the church, the living church, the relationship with God, the gates of hell will never come against it. Because the Lord will always have a people. Even when he cuts the time short, it'll be as Noah's time and Lot, very few saved. Well, only two people were saved, Noah and Lot. The other ones got in, the family, because they obeyed their father. But they weren't the ones found righteous. It was Noah and Lot. And when it gets that dark, uh, the Lord has promised. He said he'd cut the time short or the very elect the very christian could not be saved see he goes into effect what paul said in corinthians he will not allow you to be tempted above your able will make it away escape that's the promise he gives the one of the church of philadelphia you've endured you've already endured he said so i will keep you from that great hour see that's the consequences of being faithful and little But if you're not, as the scripture said, if you've run with the footmen and they've wore you out, how shall you run against the chariots? What the Lord is saying is if you can't do single combat and you're weak, how are you going to handle a chariot and horses and stuff? You're not going to be able to. Okay. The individual branches can stay in Christ or they can fall away. And we are told in our time there will be a falling away from the church, not the denomination, that's not the church. There's only one church. And where two or three Christians gather to pray is church. Okay? So the individual branches can stay with the Lord or they can be cut off from this church. And we're in a dark time now. And so the predestined ones and the elected ones are those who elected to stay. Two-thirds of the angels did not fall when one-third of them went with Lucifer. And they're called the elect angels. They elected to stay. Not the words like we think. People twist the words and the meanings today of election and predestination. Doesn't mean some of the words we make it mean. We need to go back to original and see what he's talking about. Uh So God will have himself a people. Maybe few, but he'll have them, and his plans are in effect. And the ship is going into the haven. You either stay on the ship or you jump overboard. You stay with the ship, then you'll go. You don't, you won't go. Okay, very plain and simple. Okay, the trains go into a certain city. You stay on it, you'll get there. You jump on the train, uh, you won't get there. Okay. So we're seeing, okay, coming back, verse 4, what does it say? Knowing, brother, beloved of God, his election of you, or his, some say choice, but that's what it means. Even Peter in his epistle says you are the elect, and he said, and here's how you prove your election. And he talks about all these righteous things, the way you live. He's implying, if you don't live this way, you're not elected. He makes it very plain. And he said, make your election sure. Live righteously. Pay the Lord. Follow him. Bear fruit. He said, that's how you make your election sure. James was saying the same thing. Show me something to prove that you got it. The lip service ain't going to do it, okay? So with the election or the choosing is God's church and kingdom, He has his plans, and they're going into effect. And people can get on or not get on. Now, when he was referring to the Gentiles that were being chosen now instead of the Jews, he'd cut most of the Jews off, and he was grafting the wild olive tree. He still had the root and the trunk of the old because all of them hadn't forsaken the Lord, a remnant stayed. okay? They were the apostles, and Jews in the first six or eight years were all Jews. And he tells the Gentiles and Romans, he said, they forfeited being chosen. He's cast them aside. And he's chosen you now. Uh-huh. And then he says something very interesting to it. You are now the chosen priesthood. Uh-huh. But he also said, if you don't abide and remain in his goodness, you will be cut off also. Who's he talking to? The Gentile Christians. He's saying, branches shall be cut off. And he said, they can be grafted in again if they turn to the Lord again. So he's talking about individuals. He said, but fear, have proper reverence, then you better abide in his goodness. So if you think you have a license to sin and you can live as you please, you're not abiding in his goodness. You're going to be disappointed at the day of judgment, when you say, Lord, Lord, you're going to find yourself cursed, okay? That's what we need to remind ourselves. But it's worth going to what we just quoted, Romans 11, verse 21 and 22. For if God did not spare the natural branches, the Jews, and they were in covenant, he may not spare you either. Actually, translation, he can some say is will not, okay, not may, but will not spare you either. Therefore, consider the goodness and severity of God, the harshness, okay? On those who fail, harshness, judgment, he cast them aside, okay? But toward you, goodness, okay? Goodness of God, His grace, and you respond improperly. If you continue, in his goodness, uh-huh, if you don't continue in the faith and grace, you don't continue in the fear of the Lord, you will be cut off very simple, uh-huh, otherwise you also will be cut off, so up here, where he may say he may not spare you here he says he will not spare you, uh-huh, if you live a certain way, you'll get the same thing they got. He cut most of the branches off. Most of the new branches of the church were Gentiles. But like we say, the apostles and disciples were Jews. He didn't uh, reject all of them. They were the elect. They chose to stay with them and accept the Lord and follow him. So the covenants still belong. And whatever covenants were made to them now apply to the body of Christ. We are the royal priesthood we had a special standing, Jews are not, unless they come to the Lord. Same way we come, okay? And so like the other scripture, and if they do not continue in unbelief, they will be grafted in, for God is able to do it. So when Paul went and preached three Sabbaths, when he went to the Gentiles in various cities, he got converts, converts. And some of them, they weren't cut off because they didn't know what was going on in Jerusalem. So they were, some of them were righteous Jews. They were still righteous according to the law, like Paul was until he was enlightened. But then most of them rejected him, and usually the Jews had to leave the synagogue. They were thrown out, but they joined the Gentile Christians, and they were able to enlighten them and show them things about the law and principles that the Gentiles didn't know about. Oh, they knew they were saved, and they knew Christ. But they could go back and show them how it all began. And that was God's intention. Out of the 70 or 80 million people in the Roman world at this time, it's believed maybe 8 or 9% were Jewish. So we can see the wisdom of God. When Paul went out to the Gentiles, there was always some Jews around, that accepted the Lord, and God brought him in, okay? And he made no distinction between either one, okay? Uh, So, again, we say the branch decides, will he stay with the Lord or will he not? All spiritual things are left up to the will of man. Even the Christian, he never takes their will away. They can stay with him or they can fall away through temptation the lovers of pleasures more than the lovers of God, and there will be a falling away. And even the few that are real Christians, there's going to be a falling away. They could be allured by the darkness and the power of the devil, and they better stay close to the Lord if they are going to overcome these things. Okay? Now on verse 5, For our gospel did not come to you in word only. We have a lot of that, don't we? and it's not even a true gospel it's a mixture of new age and foolishness is what it is but also it came in the power and in the holy spirit with full conviction just as you know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake okay so what was he saying here notice paul says our gospel Sometimes in other epistles, he says, my gospel. And then he says, the gospel of Christ, gospel of God, the gospel of grace and faith. So he considered it all one. He preached the gospel he was told to preach. He was an apostle to do that. That was his stewardship. He said it was put on him, and he had no choice. And he said he gets rewarded for doing it. But if he does it against his will, he has to do it anyway. (laughs) See, that's the Lord. He does not ask people to vote on something. We're his. We're not our own. He has a right to call us and do what he pleases. And he doesn't ask our opinion. He wants our obedience. That's what he's after. And a lot of people think, well, I'll consider this. Well, you don't know nothing. You have no fear of the Lord, and you don't know him well at all it's not a democracy with the Lord he doesn't tell you what he wants and you go consider it that's rebellion mm-hmm. Abraham always obeyed and on any major issue he got up the next morning and did it he didn't fool around with it delayed obedience is rebellion okay, okay. so he calls the gospel of grace his gospel and the spirit confirmed the preaching of the gospel uh, with powers and signs and miracles. Okay? He did this. That captivated their attention. But that was not the main point. A miracle never saves anyone. A healing never keeps anyone. A person can be healed and still end up in hell one day. He can have a miracle and see the Lord and still end up in hell. Uh Uh-huh. Children of Israel found that hell. God did the greatest miracles ever done to any nation, and they didn't get into the kingdom. They were still rebellious. And he said, you will not. I swear in my anger, you will not get in. And he let that whole generation die off. And yet they seen more than anybody any nation ever seen of his signs and wonders. But it didn't keep them, it didn't make them believe, and it didn't make them stay in belief. Okay? So... So the Spirit confirmed the word with this. But the main thing is, you'll see, the conviction, the Holy Spirit, this signs and wonders and preaching came with conviction. Why did it come with conviction? Because no one is saved without conviction. That's the greatest miracle. He regenerates and he indwells a person. That's what it means to be born again. That's what it means to be regenerated. He abides in us then as a temple. We become his temple. Uh huh. Uh -huh. But conviction. He convinces the person that they are a sinner and they have a need of a Savior. Many people never fall into that. And their Christianity can be questioned because of their lifestyle. Often they think, well, well, I'm not that bad. You know, I look around in a church and I'm better than most of these people. But what you don't consider is most of those people are going to hell. You're measuring yourself by the wrong thing. You measure yourself, Paul said, by Christ. And you don't need him as Savior if you don't think you're a sinner. So conviction is to convince you. And it makes you aware of your sin. that Maybe you weren't that aware of it. It disturbs you. And it puts the question to your conscience, what do I do? And then the message is, I have a Savior for you. You repent. You turn your back on the world, the self-life, and you come to Christ. Uh-huh. And so he becomes your righteousness. So that's what conviction does. And a person uh, really not saved without conviction of the Holy Spirit. He convinces them. And then he cleanses their spirit from all sin. And then he can indwell them because the temple has been purified for him to live in. But if you go back to the world and mingle, he'll leave, as he did the temple in Ezekiel's time. The prophet saw the Spirit of the Lord depart from the temple. He told Solomon, he had blessed this place. And he said, but if you turn against me, he said, I'll curse this place. And he did. And the Spirit of the Lord departed. The Shekinah glory went up, and God rejected them and that generation and destroyed many of them. Uh Because they did not keep the covenant and they mingled with other gods and religion. Okay? So, full conviction that leads to repentance from dead works and faith in Christ. That's the foundation. Paul named six foundations of what it means to be a Christian and the beginning in Hebrews. People don't read it often, they should though. We'll read it briefly. Chapter six. Therefore Lehman discussion of the elementary, the milk is what he's talking about. Let us go on to perfection, maturity, okay? Not laying again. Now he's going to tell us what the beginning was and the foundation. Repentance. Isn't it as funny as that's the first thing he mentions? Repentance from dead works and faith toward God. The doctrine of baptisms. You're baptized spiritually when you're born again. And then you outwardly do it to show what's happened in you. Okay. The laying of hands. This is for the appointment to ministries overseers and shepherds, and also for the healing of the Christian, committing them to certain ministries and gifts. The resurrection of the dead, preaching that the dead shall rise eventually, all the true ones that are in Christ, and eternal judgment. Oh, they don't like to hear that one, do they? Mm -hmm. That's the beginning of Christianity. And anything else has to be built on this. So when people don't talk about eternal judgment and hell and wrath, they're a false shepherd. Oh, I know some denominations. I heard them say, we're required once a year to preach a hard sermon. Well, you're going to hell. You watered the gospel down. You're not no faithful minister. You preach the word. And hell and sin and judgment should be preached more because of the darkness and the sinful generation we live in. And the Christian needs to be warned about these things. And the sinner told what's in store for him if he doesn't turn to the Lord. Okay. Oh, but we don't want to scare him. Oh, so you wait for the day of judgment when the terror comes on him and they're dropped into the lake of fire. That's really going to help them then, ain't it? Okay. So confession of the Lord is vain if the Spirit does not perform conviction on the man's conscience. Many, again, we said, they're going to say, Lord, Lord, and they're not even saved, see, because they've not had that conviction. They've not really turned to the Lord. They're imitating. They're professing, Paul said, godliness, but have no power. They're trying to live some form of religion on their own, like the Pharisees, and they're giving a little bit and doing little things to ease their conscience. They're being deceived. It ain't going to ease their conscience. Okay, Only the truth is going to enlighten them, and often they're under the power of the devil. He's blinded them to the truth because they don't respond to it when it's given. Okay. So we say mental assent to Christianity and its teachings, it doesn't save a person. Only the Holy Spirit regenerates and cleanses and empowers to live in Christ. Doing the will of God takes the Spirit's help. Not done on our own, and it's not all God. And I hate to see people. Oh well, it's all God. Yeah, I think you're a fool. You are an arrogant fool. You have a false humility. Every gift in ministry, it said they did it, but then it said with the Spirit. Bible said even they they spoke in tongues. There was a He said, but the Spirit gave utterance. Uh huh. So he was joined to it, and the prophets. They could prophesy, and they didn't have to prophesy. They could refuse to do it, and then an answer to God's punishment. But they weren't overwhelmed and made to do something like a parrot. Uh-huh. All the ministries and gifts and relationship are according to man's will. He can will to yield to the new man, or he can yield to the old man. And his new man's been given the power to override if he chooses. So he can yield or he cannot yield. The will is always. And that's why God holds them responsible. And that's why most of the uh, epistles warn and instruct and admonish and tell us to do something as a Christian. Don't do this, do that. See, we have the ability to not do it. We're told to put on the armor of Christ. Well, we don't have to, and then we'll be defeated. We're told to flee from certain sins, like fornication. Well, if you sit there and entertain, your lust gets stirred up, you're going to be overpowered. See, he warns them. See, the will has a lot to do with it. He doesn't ever alter that. He never alters that. They still, he strengthens the will. He has the new man, but the will can choose to disobey sin and the old man, and the Lord will give it grace and help. But if he does not exercise his will in the matter, he doesn't get any help from God, okay? So there's a lot of misunderstanding of what Christianity is and what's involved in it. If you don't do things by your will, you're not a Christian. Oh, I know they quote this scripture, the eternal security, false shepherds. They go to John and they misquote it. Being born is not by the will of man. (laughs) Well, that's true. From God's standpoint. Not from man's standpoint, it is man's will. You cannot repent or confess unless you will to. God doesn't repent for no one. He doesn't believe for no one. He helps them in the matter. But what it meant was it wasn't by the will of man, was it was the plan of salvation. God originated it. He didn't ask for man's instruction. It was by his will. But he required men. The first thing out of Jesus' mouth when he came down from being tempted by the devil and overcoming him, repent, that was the first word, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And he always said, repent and believe. He rarely used the word confess and believe by itself. Today they want to use that because they they don't have to, he accepts you just like you are. No, he doesn't. If you're a thief and you don't stop stealing, he don't accept you. You have to come expecting and planning to turn your back on it. And if you don't, your confession ain't going to mean too much. You're not going to last long, even if you came to the Lord as a baby. You'll eventually be cut off. And God doesn't pester people for years. People say, oh, he's the hound of heaven. and You don't find that in Scripture. Even Paul said, you warn a heretic two or three times and you have nothing to do with them. Jesus said about the Pharisees, leave them alone. If the blind lead the blind, they both fall into the ditch. And we know what the ditch is. Uh-huh. So we need to understand that. Paul went to churches and preached them, and when the Jews, synagogues, rejected him. He shook the dust off his feet and said, you proved yourself unworthy of the kingdom. So so much for God hounding people for years. No, He lets them live. That's part of His grace. He doesn't judge people immediately. He stores up their wrath, but during that time they can consider, and their conscience can bother them, and they can start to come to the Lord, and He'll help them. Uh God is not saving people to keep them out of hell. That's the basis thing. It's mainly that He'll have a people for Himself. That's a bonus that goes along with it. Uh Keeps us out of hell. The wicked have no promise. They're going to hell, the lake of fire. They'll understand the wrath of God, okay? At the end of this chapter, he's going to talk about the wrath of God, but we won't get that now. So the ones that say, Lord, Lord, before the Lord, most Christians, that's mental belief without the lifestyle. They would be what James said. They have faith, but he said they have no works. It's vain. And as we say, Paul said, if you don't obey righteousness, you're wicked. He said, shall we sin because we're under grace? He said, God forbid. He won't allow it. He said, don't you know whoever you obey, that's who your master is? He's talking about people who believe in being saved by grace and faith, and they don't think they have to do anything else. He said, but if they don't obey righteousness, eternal death's waiting for them. He said, you're a slave to who you obey. You either obey Christ's righteousness or you obey yourself and there'll be wrath and indignation. And he's just talked about grace. So he tells those grace teachers, if they listen to it, they walk right over that. They don't want to look at that because it scares them. Shall we continue? Or they say, well, we shouldn't, but we can. No, the scripture doesn't say that. It says if you obey unrighteousness, that means you don't follow the Lord and you live your own life and you practice sinning, gross sinning. He said, death is waiting for you. Eternal death. He ain't talking about physical death. He said, I want you to know this. And that's why he said a couple of times, know this, he said, don't let no one deceive you. If you live this way, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. Paul makes it very plain. And yet Peter said they twist his teaching. They're still doing it. The one saved always saved. The ultra calvinists they think they have a license to sin. And many of them, God ain't gonna lighten them. They love the sins of blood, but they're afraid of judgment. Of course they are. And when the Lord returns they'll be terrorized and run to the hills and caves to hide from the wrath of the lamb because when he comes back he's coming as king and judge there's a, be no mercy he's not coming he's coming with his own and he's coming to judge the world and pull out his wrath so people don't like to see that side of the it's called the wrath of the lamb well not many people see they would he's the lion of the tribe of judah you would sorta of think he would say he's coming as the lion no So it means he is the Lamb. He was the Savior. But at a certain time, he stops. He lays down his intercessory ministry that he's doing now. He stands intercessing as the mediator between God and man bodily, and he will still do that until he returns. But then he will not be the mediator. He will be the judge and the king. He's not coming, Hebrews says, with salvation. okay, His patience. His timing has come to an end. But he will tell those kind of Christians, you're workers of lawlessness. See, he never challenges their believing. Depart from me to what? Everlasting punishment. And now see, most of these people think they're Christians. Well, we've got two billion people out of eight billion people in the world that think they're Christians. Very few of them are. Okay. They did not bear fruit. They did not obey him as Lord. Yet mentally, they believed he was the Son of God. And he died on the cross. That's wonderful. Well, the devils watched this. They knew what was going on. They believe that. But they don't serve him as Lord. Okay, And they know they can't repent. Their nature has been so corrupted. When God took his holiness out of the angels, What did Jesus tell the people? He said, I saw Satan, Lucifer. I saw the devil fall from heaven like lightning. Once God decided to judge, it was in a split second. And in that time, anything of good and holiness was removed from them. They're impossible to repent. They have no concept of it. Their wisdom was corrupted like the devil's is. They are what they are, and they're fixed in that situation. So again, we see, too, in the latter part here, just as you know, what kind of men We not only preached the gospel and confirmed the gospel, uh, we lived it, we preached it. Uh, We were holy and just and loving among you people, and we came to give you the gospel. The Jews were not loving among Gentiles like that. They were actually, even in Israel, they despised the Gentile world. They wanted God to destroy them all. They were so self-righteous and deceived. And that's why God got tired of them. They misrepresented who he was. Let's go ahead and close now. Lord, give us wisdom. Give us understanding how to apply your word in our daily life and under our own providences and life and our duties to the Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.